Hi, welcome to episode 72 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker, and I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for finding my show, you guys. Take a minute, subscribe to Motherhood in Hollywood if you haven't already, and leave me a review. It is so important when it comes down to the uh, rankings and ratings and whatnot on iTunes and Stitcher. Take a minute, leave a quick review about my show, would you? Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Um, <laughs> I also want to tell you guys that my guest today is film, television, and web director Shannon Flynn. She has a lot of wonderful things to say about what's going on with the directors, uh, women directors movement right now, why it's so important that we have women directors uh, behind the camera in projects all over uh, the entertainment industry from film, television, and uh, web projects. So you'll want to stick around for that. Before we get into our interview, though, I want to tell you about Up4 Probiotics. Up4 has been making probiotics and only probiotics since 1979. So if you're looking for a probiotic that's going to really support your gut health and start making you happier from the inside, that's exactly what Up4 does. And they're good at it. They have years of studies and actually a trademarked super strain that's just their own strain that helps make their probiotics the best probiotics around. So go right now, motherhoodinhollywood.com and click on the Up4 Probiotics image, or you can find them in your local Target store. Up4 has been creating a happier inside since 1979. I also want to tell you guys about the new Lansino Bluetooth Smart Pump. It's really incredible what this breast pump can do. It pairs with the Lansino Baby app to help you record the date, time, and duration of each of your pumping sessions. And if you're a new mom, you know this can be a huge help because you're tired and you don't want to reach for a pen and pencil and write all this stuff down. All of this can be tracked right at your fingertips with the Lansino Baby app and the Lansino Bluetooth Smart Pump. Go right now to motherhoodandhollywood.com and click on the Lansino image. That will take you to their website where you can find out more information about how the Lansino Smart Pump can make breastfeeding and breast pumping easier for you. Finally, there's a smarter way to pump. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood again. Hey, it's me, Heather, and I have had... Such a crazy week. We'll talk about it a little bit. Um, I'm a little tired right now. I literally just got back from Las Vegas. Chris took me to Las Vegas for my birthday, which is coming up on Tuesday the 15th. And I cannot even tell you, we had so much fun. We did a little revisiting of our college years. We played a couple of hours worth of beer pong. That's right. <laughs> We're 19. Uh, no, it's just, it was so nice to be able to kind of throw caution to the wind. And there's just something about Vegas that allows for that carefree, do what you want, you know, go a little crazy kind of uh, atmosphere that you don't get to do every day as a parent. So my great friends, my best friends, Mary and Nelson Diaz watched Channing for me this weekend. Uh, so we could go out of town and have a little bit of fun. And I'm so grateful to them. So thank you guys. Love you. Thanks for letting uh, me go and have a little, have a little fun. Mama needed it. Do you ever have those days where you're like, I just need a break for some moms. We get a break. That's like maybe an hour, maybe just see an hour and you covet that hour. You're like, Oh, what can I do? But I've been getting to the point where I've been so busy with motherhood in Hollywood so many wonderful things are happening and I'm having a hard time like keeping up, you know, with all of the great stuff. Um, and it starts to get overwhelming. And, and I personally tend to just kind of not shut down. That's not the right response, but I kind of just back off of things for a little bit and go, whoa, 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 this is too much. I need to, I need to take a step back. I don't know how you guys deal with your stress, but that's what I do. And then once I've had my moment to sort of gather my thoughts and 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 uh, collect a, get a plan together, then I'm I'm ready to push forward and keep going. So that's kind of what's been happening. So this weekend was a much needed uh, break for ma for me for mama. Um, what else has been going on? Oh, I have a couple of giveaways I want to tell you guys about really quickly. You only have one day left. If you're listening to this on Monday, the 14th, when it comes out, you only have one day left to enter to the MIH Fleming's 
gift card giveaway. I'm giving away a hundred dollar gift card to Fleming's for uh, they're they're having a big Thanksgiving event coming up. This is the first year that Fleming's is offering a meal on Thanksgiving. You don't have to use your gift card for Thanksgiving, but it's just sort of uh, to kick off their new Thanksgiving tradition. So go to my website to enter there. That's the Fleming's giveaway. And this is really cool. Another great thing about social media is how people can interact and reach out. And a woman by the name of Kay, who owns Velvet Violet Photography here in Southern California, reached out to me after finding me on Instagram. She um, loved the podcast and had such wonderful things to say. And she wanted to uh, take pictures of me and Channing to help stir up business and increase her business here in Southern California. And I was so flattered that she chose me for her Powerhouse Moms series, which is basically just a series of moms that she's come across that she thinks are really unique and have a wonderful story to tell. And I was like, of course I do. Um, of course that's me. No. <laughs> Hashtag humble. Uh, but no, definitely uh, was very flattered and very honored that she picked me. And you guys, the pictures that she took of me and Channing were so great. I just was blown away by how beautiful they were. So Kay and I are are partnering up. Now we're going to do a giveaway. If you would like a half hour photo session with Kay from Velvet Violet Photography, all you have to do is follow her on Instagram and then follow, make sure you follow me on Instagram as well and hashtag Velvet Violet photography to be entered into the drawing. I'm going to pick a winner on November the 18th and you'll get 10 high res photos and you'll get an online gallery of your photo session with Kay. So check it out, Velvet Velvet Violet Photography. And also I'll post information on my website as well. Very cool. Love it. Love the pictures. And I hope you guys do too. All right. So really quickly, let's talk about the big news that's happening this week. Excuse me. I'm getting old, you guys. This is my birthday week. And I've been sort of coming to terms with it for a while now that this is my big, big birthday. And it is no longer in my 20s and no longer in my 30s. And we'll just leave it at that. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, too, why I'm having such a hard time with this birthday, unlike other birthdays. I've just sort of been like, yay, no big deal. Um, I'm going to be 40. And that is a huge admission for me to make. I feel like I just told you guys a very big secret. Don't tell anyone else. But I'm I'm having, I, I don't know if it's because I feel like this is the end of my youth. This is it. I'm over. I'm going to be old, dried up. You know, nobody's going to want to have sex with me anymore. Um, when I say that to my husband, he's like, wait how many people are having sex with you? Um, good, good reminder, honey. Thank you. Just the one for now. Uh, anyway, um, so I'm about to be 40 and I'm really trying to come to terms with that and find out what it really means to me and why it's freaking me out so much. As soon as I find out, I'll let you guys know. I mean, am I the only one who gets bummed out about the idea of being 40? I can't be. I know I'm not. I ch- I'm choosing to look at it like it's another excuse to have a party, another reason to celebrate. And I'm just going to try to look at it like it's one more day, just one more year. Good things are happening in my life. I have a great family. I'm in a good pl- good place and just try not to be totally bummed out um, that I'm getting older. So that's that's where I'm at, guys. Um, all right. Well, now that I've thoroughly bummed you out, let's take a, let's take a moment and do a couple of quick shout outs. Uh, mom mentions over on Twitter, uh, Christian Marie at dandy is candy. Well, hello there. Thanks for following me on Twitter. Sally Brandon, Scott Puritz. Thank you guys so much for finding me and following me on Twitter. And also two fruits podcast, a queer and a pop culture podcast. I love it. So thank you guys for taking the time to find me at MIH Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Motherhood in Hollywood, where I'll post a bunch about giveaways and funny videos and lots of silly things. Stay tuned for some big announcements of things coming up down the road. I want you guys to be a part of. All right. So that's enough for the mommy monologue. I want to get to the interview I did with Shannon Flynn. She's a film, television, and web director who has worked on a lot of shows for Nickelodeon and Disney and all kinds of uh, networks. You guys are going to love what she has to say. And she's also a mom of three kids. So 
This woman is unbelievable, and I know you guys are going to love her story. Here's my interview with Shannon Flynn. How long have you been directing? I started as a theater director when I was 19. Oh, wow. And then um, started television directing in 2006, so 10 years. Oh, wow. Happy anniversary to me. Yay. So what is it about like theater that made you want to direct? I started at junior college, mm-hmm. was intent on being an actor, and then I took a directing class and directed my first short five-minute play. And I really like the power that comes with <laughs> I was directing. Say, was it the power? <laughs> no, but I realized that I had an aptitude for for getting inside something yeah. directorially. And then being able to communicate that with an actor more and more than one actor at that, so that I could see different perspectives. And so how oh go yeah. ahead. No, it's cool. I was going to say, so how eventually then did that translate into television directing? Because it's a little, I mean, obviously it's a different kind of beast, but at its core, you're still directing actors. Yes, absolutely. When I, after I went to grad school, I um, went, met with a director who had gone to grad school, my grad school and graduated, and he asked me if I was interested in directing sitcoms if I was directing for television and I said isn't that selling out <laughs> for a theater director to direct why would you think television? that because when you, I think that there's this idea in theater that there's a purity oh sure it's like that, that for actors too it's like yeah. oh you're a theater actor you right know? The versus a trim. film and television actor oh there's yeah. totally like a, a selling I get that so I thought but I mean it was an honest question I thought that I wasn't going to be diving into storytelling the way that you dive into storytelling as a Mm -hmm. director of theater do you think you were right do you think you are do you still are you still able to tell stories as a TV absolutely yeah yeah everybody has a story to tell every writer has a story to tell and it's my job to to bring the essence of that story to stage or in this particular case on camera. Now tell me about the types of shows you direct. What are you drawn to? I love female centric, strong women who can not be cynical. Yeah. It's really hard I think comedy right now is about the anti-hero. Sure. I think it's about the com. I think there's a lot of comedy of cynicism and a lot of dark comedy that really is hurtful. Mm-hmm. And the comedy comes from either making fun of people or it comes from, you know, the cynicism of the world around us. And really what I love are the hopeful, optimistic comedies where it could potentially take a dark turn and it ends up it ends up choosing something that is more hopeful so you like um unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt yes like yeah yes and um and I'm embarrassed to say this but I just found uh this comedy playing house oh yeah yeah yeah. on uh is it USA USA I was gonna say like TNT but I knew that it wasn't right yeah and it is... It's on its like third season or something? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just about ready to launch into its third season. And here are two women who created the show, who mm-hmm. are also acting in the show. And... Hashtag goals. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> Hire me. Yeah. No, uh, but, but I watched the show and it is exactly the kind of comedy mm-hmm. that I love. Yeah. What is it about comedy that you're drawn to as opposed to maybe dramas or maybe both? Maybe I like both, both actually. I do absolutely enjoy both. And I love the idea that there is comedy and drama and that there is drama and comedy because both inform the other. Are you watching Better Things on FX? I've been talking about this constantly. I don't know if you listen to the show, but mm. I'm obsessed with it. I have not watched Better Things yet. It's got the sort of cynicism that you were just talking about, but it's, I don't want to say she's an anti-hero because she's very, she just seems very, you know, flawed. She's very right. flawed. 
in this show and she uh but it's funny in that you're like especially if you're industry you know in LA it's like ah I totally get that like right. I know her frustrations for sure especially as a mom so now I have to watch better now you have things. to watch now better I have things. to add this to my Netflix queue to the queue immediately I don't <laughs> I um yeah it's a it's one of those shows that I think is really funny but it's not like a haha in your face funny kind of a thing. Um, it's interesting to hear you say that because you um have worked on so many kids shows. Yes. For Nickelodeon and have you done Disney shows? Yes. Too? Oh yes, that's where I got my start on Hannah Montana. Oh nice with Miley. Yeah, she's <laughs> amazing. I love you, Miley. Here's the deal. I she's one of those people that I love to hate in that she's her persona right now, and I know she's trying to branch out and whatever, but it's really annoying. But then I have to remind myself, she's still incredibly talented. And yes. number two, it, she it's she it's it's her marketing, it's her branding, it's what she's doing. She's mm-hmm. being a crazy wild child right now, and people are. I just got real country when I said that. I don't know why <laughs> right now, um, but I I get what she's doing and why she's doing it. But it's so annoying because she's so talented. I just want her to just be. Well, I think the other thing too. I was just talking with somebody about this because I think that it's really easy to forget that Hannah Montana and Miley Stewart on Hannah Montana were characters. Yeah. Not her. That's not who she was. And I spent four seasons with her as a director and as an acting coach on the show, working one-on-one with her. And I mean, who she is at the core of her being is one of the most humble, generous and um, self-effacing people that I had the pleasure of working with so who she happens to be out in a persona out in the public and it's been you know three years since I've spoken to her but I mean I can honestly tell you if people had recorded my every single move I would take either retreat Mm -hmm. or do you take advantage of that yeah I think that she's there's some there's some smart marketing going on and i see that from that from the industry right. perspective but i also just sort of like oh, i hate that she even has to do that like she right. has to be like why can't she just be herself because everything i've heard is like what you just said right she's this genuine nice kind funny person but she comes across as a total like t-watt sometimes on, <laughs> on um, like i'm like what's wrong you do not need i'm great you smoke weed like you don't need to dress up like a giant marijuana leaf like we get it good for you well and in recently though i think she's moving away from that yeah well i'm hoping i think the voice is sort of transitioning her right maybe a, into a little bit more of an adulty kind of you know persona i'm hoping that's what's happening um i assume that she has to be the way you describe otherwise why would liam Hemsworth like why would he date her he's so dreamy oh i want to marry his brother except i'm already Chris married Hemsworth and he's in, already married yes <laughs> But him in Ghostbusters was oh my gosh, hands so down one of the best male comedy performances. What did you think about seen. Ghostbusters? Loved it. Did you really? Oh my god. Oh, we have to agree to disagree. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we can because I had to remember this isn't a remake of Ghostbusters. Right. This isn't trying to erase Bill Murray no. and Dan Aykroyd no. and Harold Ramis. It's it is and Ernie Hudson. Have to props to Ernie Hudson. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to erase that. No, it was sort of like a reimagining. It is was the term I've heard bands yeah, talk about. It I, is my, taking my, that story, co-opting the elements of that it, yeah. story, and making it with women, with modern day, and also a little more modern. My beef wasn't with the the fact that they did it. I know some people were just mad. Well, I'm mad just because they're doing. Yeah, it. Exactly. You know? My um, child- yeah, yeah. Oh, my childhood. No, I wasn't mad necessarily that they were doing that because Lord knows they're doing it with everything from right. the, from my childhood, from the 80s and 90s and whatnot. So I think I was more annoyed. Or what bothered me is that there didn't seem to be a connection, a real connection in the characters. Like they didn't really seem, even the Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig characters, their backstory, I was like, it just everybody just seemed to be playing at these caricature types. Hmm. I'm looking at it from an actor's perspective. Of course. 
Um, and I know that Kate McKinnon, everyone was like, oh my God, she stole the show. For me, she was really annoying to watch. Hmm. It was one note the whole time. It was wacky, like, oh, what am I going to do now? That's weird in the scene. It was an unbelievable thing. It was an unbelievable character. Like, I do not believe that that character would exist in the world and people wouldn't be like, hey, you're fucking weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no one would go, that's weird. Nobody in a conversation would just start, you know, doing some of the weird stuff she was doing without someone going, you need mental help. <laughs> So for me, I know it's a comedy, but I was like, I'm having a hard time getting into it because everybody just seems so wacky. I'm also incredibly jealous of Melissa McCarthy. Oh my God. Melissa McCarthy is dreaming. When (laughs) I had my first child, she, my mentor was directing on the Gilmore Girls. Oh, nice. So I took Molly up to meet Lee, who had mentored me for three years as a director and Melissa was there and she was pregnant with her first she's like oh my god let me hold your baby and we started talking about motherhood stuff and yeah everything so it was she's great sweet everybody wonderful. says that yeah, yeah everybody says that about yeah her. she is a good rep that gal yeah I still take sure. her out of the knees if I get a chance oh gosh because I'm tired of being compared to you her should totally but it's like we're two different types but Tanya Harding that yeah, lady right. <laughs> <laughs> I totally will watch I know back. watch um Galooly. so I <laughs> I love that you say that you love the female-centric um types of shows and types right. of stories how much input do you have in what you choose to direct? Cause you're not, it's not like, um, you have to direct X amount of shows with a certain network or, you know, tell me how the process works for you. Do they come to you with a show? Do producers come to you and say, Hey, we like for you to direct. Do you have to go in and pitch yourself? How does it work? Uh, my reps mm-hmm. will do a lot of homework for me and I'll do homework for myself because I can be, I'm the one who's going to be my best advocate. So if there are stuff out there that I see that you want to work that I want to work on, I will absolutely have them get on it. And sometimes you can find a connection there with people that have worked on the show that you find connected earlier in your career. But most of the time it just comes down to me going to a meeting with the producer, executive producer, the writers or the network and trying to pitch myself okay, as right for the show. Do you have to show them like a reel or like I have a, a website. Or my just... website's on there. Mm-hmm. I have episodes from previous shows on my website. Mm-hmm. And I should probably not say that because maybe it's well, against I... the law. Is it? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, I have a reel with all my clips on it. Okay. And that shit is everywhere. <laughs> It's on YouTube. Yeah, no, that's true. It's on my website. Yeah. But I've also shot short movies. I've worked um, with lots of different, um, on lots of different shows. So there's always, it's likely that they're going to find something Mm -hmm. to, that I can point to, to say, oh, see. See, I can do this. I can do this. I can do visual effects. I can do special effects. I can do green screen. I can do. Yeah. So you really do have to market yourself too in your abilities in that to convince producers like, hey, no, I can take on this one hour drama or I can do this half hour multicam. Absolutely. um, When once you're on board, once you get hired for a show, what is the process like? How are you involved? How involved are you then? Do you um, help with location scouting? Do you have input on casting? Yes. Um, And it varies from show to show. You know, some shows have been around long enough that they just, it's, they have a routine. Like, here's where we film. Here's here's what we do. This yeah. is, this is what the set that you're working in. Um, we can make minimal changes to it if it's required. But, you know, on a single camera show, which is, you know, more like a movie, mm-hmm. you are very involved in those things because you have to be, because you have to know where you're shooting what's it what's the location like especially if you're shooting on location yeah and not in a studio so you have to be very involved in those things but when it comes to um it just so it just depends on the show some sometimes the casting is decided before you ever get a script because depends on how far 
behind they are in terms of scripting. Like when we did Nikki, Ricky, Dicky, and Don, mm-hmm. they cast you, and I was benefited that gift of uh, your presence or you on were that like, show. Damn it! No, <laughs> no, no, no way. That <laughs> was like hands down one of the funniest <laughs> scenes. Oh, you're so that, sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my God, you and Sydney Park. Uh, um, she's adorable. She's amazing. Yeah. And her mom is amazing. Yeah, they were both really nice. Ugh. I was really nervous um, filming that because I, the network and everybody was like all, they're all staring at you and yeah. you, and expecting you to be funny. <laughs> You're like, be oh funny. God, be funny. Oh <laughs> shit. Be funny now. Be funny right now. Do that thing you did Ooh. in the audition. It's terrifying. Um, sure. But in a good way, like that for me, like. That's the, that's the goal. That's the dream is to get to be funny every week and, you know, hopefully somebody right. pays you for it. <laughs> um, that's the goal. Um, but I noticed um, when I was watching you, you have a lot of plates in the air as a director. Yes. Like people are asking you wardrobe questions. People are asking you scripting input. People are asking you, you know, your movie cameras. And that's on an, an enclosed set in a soundstage. You right. Know, I can't imagine the even more complexities when you're out and about filming and on location and things like that right and that's where you know I know this is motherhood in Hollywood so (laughs) but that's where being a mom is really helpful because Mm -hmm. you have to hone those multitasking skills for sure and you have like 19 children right? I have I am the little old woman that lives in a shoe that had so many children she didn't know what to do right right Uh, but I have three and it feels like 19 Mm -hmm. a lot of the time and the benefit is that you will have, you can yell cut. Mm-hmm. You will have 10 people who want to talk to you right now. Yeah. And you're trying to stay focused on the scene or, or like visually, like, is this, is this serving the story and that Correct. sort of thing? And then somebody comes up to you and is like, Hey, we, you know, what do you want for lunch? Or, you know, or, right. Or well, like, you'll have like, like questions that you don't need answered right away. Necessarily. Right. And you'll have an executive producer who is my boss, who is saying, here are the acting notes, here are the camera notes, here are how the adjustments that we want to make. And then being able to stay focused and have all of those notes and ideas thrown at you. And then how can I make sure that I am effectively implementing, uh, implementing those notes? Yeah. And then with my own notes, and then, yeah, if you have the wardrobe person coming and talking to you, and then you have your camera cameraman and your dp director of photography coming and talking to you and so being able to hear all of that and remember all of that and then execute so do you think there's too many cooks in the kitchen on a tv show or do you think it's just like the hierarchy of the way it's always been i think that there is and it's different for every show a lot of times everything gets funneled through one communicator Mm -hmm. and then it's much uh different than if there are 10 people who are talking to you at the same time and sometimes you can get conflicting notes so sometimes you'll get somebody who will say that actor's pushing too hard performance isn't grounded or whatever and then you say okay and then you'll get another person who will give you the diametrically opposite Opposite, note and then where do we find the middle ground yeah. so that you can serve both people? Well, that happens as actors too. Like we'll go in and casting will give us notes for the audition. Like, Hey, they want this to be super real, very grounded, very subtle. And then you'll, you'll book it and you'll go on set and they'll be like, why are you so quiet? Why are you right. so lame? Make it bigger. And you're like, I'm so confused, you know? And then right. obviously once you've booked the job, you do what they tell you to do on set as best you can. But it's, right. it seems like that's why I ask if there's too many cooks in the kitchen, because it seems like you get notes and direction from a bunch of different angles. Well, and sometimes I think, especially in the audition process, there is, you know, especially if you are, afforded more than one take in terms of your yeah. on camera can you take direction what's the adjustment that you're going to make right can you make the adjustment effectively you know and so sometimes I think that there is a an opportunity especially if the casting director really likes you to show that you can make the adjustment look here's the bigger take that we had when we when we 
first did the camera test and now here's an option yeah and so that you know then they can see a sometimes I just give actors direction in an audition just to see if they can take my direction what's the adjustment that they're going to make because I want to be able to know that that's somebody I can work with yeah so that is, yeah, I've, I've had that happen before. Honestly, though, nowadays it's so rare that a director and producer, a director especially, like I can't remember the last time I was in an audition with a director. And that's... Occasionally it's a producer, but 95% of the time it's all on tape. I never meet any of the staff. And I think that, that unfortunately, I think it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I know that things move very quickly and a lot of times there isn't the time to set aside to have the director come in and but it's something that I definitely fight for because I want to know that I can work with the person if you're going to cast a person I want to know that the person that you're want me to work with is somebody that I can work with even if it's something as small as like one or two lines um bigger parts bigger parts yeah. The the smaller parts, I still would love to be able to do it. But when it's one or two lines, sometimes you that's just, just not going to yeah. be. Unless it's critical. Yeah. We have auditioned background people who have really? a critical, especially in the kids' shows, if they have to, have if their timing is yeah. off, or if you say, like I did this episode recently where the kid had to come in to the door see what was happening and then back away slowly which sounds pretty easy right right but can you walk and chew gum at the same time (laughs) so we had to call in five kids to see to audition for this one but it's a critical on camera role yeah and the joke depends on her his reaction to her behavior yeah and there have been plenty of times when we've just left that to chance and we've just picked a background person and they can't do it and it wastes a lot of time. And you end up getting burned or whatever. Right. I hope you guys are enjoying my interview with director Shannon Flynn. She has so much more to say about how she balances her life as a mom with her career as a director. So there's a lot of interesting things coming up. I want to take a moment to tell you guys a little more about up for probiotics. They have probiotics for every person in your family, all the way from infants to senior citizens. We've given Channing the children's formula for several months now, and it has made such a difference in her dietary health and her digestive system health. That is a big one. It promotes good gut health, which we all need. Probiotics are positive gut bacteria. And I don't know if that's the technical term for it. Um, maybe, maybe they can start using that, but it's for, it helps promote positive gut bacteria. That's what probiotics do. And up for has been making probiotics and only probiotics since 1979. So you now know they are a tried and tested and true company. So go to motherhoodinhollywood.com, click on the up for probiotics image, and that'll take you right to their site where you can find out which formula works best for you. And I want to tell you guys about the new Lansano Smart Pump. Lansano has created a smart pump that pairs with the Lansano Baby app to help you keep track of the time, date, and duration of your pumping sessions. And for a new mom, this can be an invaluable tool to have. It's all right there at your fingertips. How much you're pumping, how often you're pumping, how much your baby is eating. There's also an area that lets you keep track of statistics like how much your baby weighs, uh, their height, how many diaper changes you've done, all kinds of helpful information like that that new moms need and and want to know and uh, want an easy way to keep track of. Go to motherhoodinhollywood.com, click on the Lansano image, and that will take you right to their website where you can learn more about the Lansano baby app and the Lansano smart pump. Finally, there's a smarter way to pump. Your kids are a little older, right? Like 10, 8, and 7. So they're all in school now? Yes, they're all in elementary school. And how was it, though, when you were first starting out when you were directing? Because I know you said you've been doing it for 10 years. Right. So so your oldest, then, you had your baby when you first started the transition from theater into regular television directing? So what happened was, um, I mean, the backstory is I lost my dad in 2005. And I realized that, and I was 35 at the time, and I thought, 
I guess I should probably have kids. And I was a person who was never going to have children. Mm -hmm. I swore up and down. And I told my husband we got married. I'm like, don't expect any kids. And he had put it to sleep that we were not going to have children. And then my dad was sick in the hospital. And I would pass the newbies every day in the nursery. And I was like, hmm. And then I realized, yeah. And I realized I was taking care of my dad. You know, my parents weren't perfect. And I realized that I was there because I wanted to be, not because I had to be. And then I realized as a parent, you could take the best and leave all the other crap behind. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go for it, to go for it. And it wasn't a biological clock thing. And I know that's true for a lot of women. There's a biological imperative to have a baby and it's inexplicable. It's just, I don't know what it is. That was not the case for me. Uh, but, um, that summer my dad passed away and then I, and I turned to my husband while he was in the hospital and I said, do you still want to have a baby? And he said, I think that that would be the most perfect expression of our love. And I thought, God damn it. Why do you have to be a writer? It's so like, (laughs) what? Okay. Anyway. So later that year we got pregnant Mm -hmm. and, um, And at the same time, it was just, so Hannah Montana started, Mm -hmm. I was not there, I was there for the first episode, just purely as an observer, having had worked on the pilot. And over the course of between the first and second episode, I found out I was pregnant. Oh, oh, wow. Which is actually, hello, 11 years ago, like in these next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so was Hannah Montana your first show, your first TV show to direct? Yes. Oh, wow. That's a big one to start with. Yeah. Well, but at the time we didn't know it was going to be as huge as it was. Although there was, there was an inkling when, you know, the, the little boys and girls who would come, who were coming to the pilot taping were were running around the set and it was, you could just see. Cute. So at about four months pregnant, I realized that I needed to tell. Oh, and I, they offered me they off they offered me a, an episode with Lee's help. Lee helped facilitate that, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then they offered me the job as acting coach, and um, That's I said cool. yes because it was a regular f- gig. Yeah, right was going to be having a regular income and knowing that I was newly pregnant and nobody else knew except Lee. Mm -hmm. I was like, this could really do well for me. So then at four months I told him I was pregnant and my due date was a week after we wrapped. Oh, wow. And I worked the whole time. Like I, I, what else was I going to do? I mean, I would have loved to have laid on the couch and watched judge Judy and a, and eight and I eight, think though the people who are in the industry are, are are when they become moms though they we still want to keep working um you know being a director is a huge dream come true for me and knowing that I I had a child what does it say and you know I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl until the moment she was born and they said it's a girl oh that's fun and then it became something even more special to me because I thought, what does it say to my daughter if I give up this dream that I've been working towards for so long mm-hmm. to say, well, I love you and um, you not that you don't mean everything to me, but I'm going to sacrifice my dream right. for you not that she's not worth sacrificing <laughs> i don't want you to get angry no, like no, posts no. On well, this, i think but there's, there's definitely something to that and it's something i struggle with a lot too because i when i had my daughter i took i still take care of her full time now she's in school a couple of days a week which is nice but the rest of the time she's with me but that doesn't mean that i stop going on auditions right it doesn't mean i stop working like the podcast is becoming you know motherhood in hollywood is becoming a a job I say job but it's not work um but I don't ever want her to think also that I was like oh now I'm a mom and you know so all of these other things I've been passionate about for so long right are gone out the window I've just sort of incorporated them into Correct. my new 
motherhood status. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the part that I think is super important mm-hmm. as a person in this industry. I mean, this is going to sound however it sounds, but we l- like work in a dream factory. Sure. So no matter what my child wants to do, I am an example to them of pursuing something that means something that yeah. that you have a dream about. So, so you had the one and then you were like, this was awesome. I want to do it two more times. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the one and... Um, it was amazing and it was hard and it was mm-hmm. what was great is that it was like during hiatus but i definitely suffered from postpartum depression yeah um i couldn't breastfeed um and um i tried i pu- i tried everything that i possibly could and it wasn't working and mm-hmm. she so my pediatrician was like you got to start formula and i was freaking out about you felt that guilty totally guilty yeah. and then he was like you don't want to have a failure to thrive right situation on your hands there's so much pressure on breastfeeding moms to our moms to breastfeed and i'm like we know it's the best breast is best but in a perfect world we'd all do it but not everybody can do it and i hate the fact that there's so much judgment on moms who supplement with formula who only do formula who maybe just do pump only like that that drives me crazy because i'm like your number one priority is to help your kids survive correct at life yeah (laughs) like Hello. Whatever you've got to do to keep them alive, that's what you do. And um, I hate that there's so much judgment. I mean, I think it's getting a little better, but I don't know. Well, it's it almost feels like the pendulum has to swing in the other direction before sure. it finds its way back to the middle. And sure. then you recognize that there is a greater good, which is yeah. I don't want my child to die for right. lack of nutrition. Exactly. Like, the ultimate goal is to keep them alive <laughs> by any means necessary. Um, but no, anyway, so yeah, yeah, it's it was, but it was hard. It was hard, and I love working. And yeah. so when Hannah Montana came back for the second season, I was like, "Peace out." Trapped, no, strap the baby in a stroller, or I mean, I mean, we fortunately we had somebody who could babysit. Oh, nice. Yeah, and she came to our house, and and did you just friend do of ours. like one episode at a time, or were you doing like every weekly? I episode? every week I was working, and my oh, husband wow. was working full time too. So oh, wow. it was you know what we did in order to make the bills get paid, mm-hmm. and the good news is in television. You have hiatus weeks. Yeah. So we would work three weeks and I would have a week off and then work. And, you know, I feel really lucky that that's the situation. Yeah. That's why it's also why it's the dream factory is because the hours and the scheduling of entertainment jobs are pretty great. I mean, there are some days, there are some shows that I know they work 14 hour days and whatever, Um, you know, but then you get like a couple months off and. Right. And, you know, the other side of it too is that I feel really lucky as a director that I have the benefit of being able to work and then take the time off. But if you're a grip, if you're a DP, if you're in wardrobe, if you're in makeup and hair, if you, you know what I mean? Any of the other departments that are there Mm -hmm. every single day, five days a week working those long hours, it's like I have such compassion for, for people who are parents that, you know, yeah, they get the time, they get the two months off, but it's like, what do you, you know, it's can be hard. Yeah. It can be hard. Just like any job that you have to work really long hours. Like, are you sacrificing, you know, something else in order to be there? Yeah. I totally understand that. What do you think about the, um, the movement recently, it seems to have picked up a lot more in the last year about women directors, more women in film, how we need more women behind the camera um, whether it's specifically directing or producing, um, have you seen this movement? You're lady director. <laughs> so I'm assuming I have you're lady a, parts. You have lady parts. So you're a part of this movement, whether Correct. you mean to be or not. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of politics around it too. And I think that absolutely 100% women need to be behind the camera and it is 
the fact that there's attention being called to it definitely makes the possibilities easier. And the flip side of that is that you're talking about changing decades-long hierarchy, patriarchy, in a way that, you know, makes it difficult. Because what I have learned is um, it's, you know, exponential. So not only, so if you give a person an episode of television, fantastic. And it's like taking that experience and, you know, getting another experience and another experience and another experience. And if you're not hiring a person on a regular basis, it's like working out, you know, like it's a muscle. If you're not going to the gym every day, but you're just going once a month like I do, you're probably not going to be getting the benefits of going to the gym (laughs) like somebody (laughs) who's going every day. Got it. So similarly, you know, it's great that people want that there's a movement to hire women, but it needs to be more consistent. It needs to be consistent. Mm -hmm. It has to be, oh, we hire this guy for 10 episodes and we give one to a woman. And it's like, well, the guy who gets the 10 episodes, even if he's new in his career, is going to have 10 episodes worth of experience. And the person gets one. The, The person who gets one doesn't get the benefit of and they have to prove themselves in one episode what one person who's guaranteed 10 can do in 10 episodes did you see the article about the executive producer of jessica jones hiring only women what do you think about that i think it's awesome and ava deverney did it with um queen sugar Mm -hmm. and jill soloway and um so do you think the key here is having women producers who can then hire other women directors? I think that the key is to see that there is no wasted experience and that if producers, executive producers, if networks and studios would see that um, that w- when a woman does have experience, the, the risk of, hi- the quote-unquote risk of hiring a woman to direct who may on paper have less experience than her male counterpart, you can, it's a calculated risk. Mm -hmm. But it has to be a proactive or an incredibly active pursuit to hire more women. It can't be a novelty. It can't be a... Look what we're doing kind of a thing. Right. Look, we hired a lady. Right, which I've seen plenty sure where you where it really is a just a um tip of the hat to saying we did this so so now we don't now we don't have to do anymore um what do you what is your ideal situation next like what do you want to do next because i know when we were uh exchanging messages right you were like and we were talking earlier you were like i'm i want to do different things right i want i'm sort of reinventing you know rethinking right. things what are you what are you talking about <laughs> well <laughs> it's me. a good question and it's and again i and you may not i mean you don't have to have the answer right now no Maybe you're still this exploring is, this is a really interesting time for me because I feel like I've said to you on a couple of occasions, I feel like I'm in the middle of a reset Mm -hmm. that there's a, this is the sorbet sorbet portion of the meal, if you will, where the palate cleanser of also a delicious portion of the meal. Exactly. The palate cleanser Mm -hmm. of the unspecified sorbet. But that being said, I feel like that I've had this incredible body of experience and um, it just so happens to coincide with the fact that my children are growing away from the shows that I worked on. Mm-hmm. And I realize that there are two goals that I have for working. One is to tell the best story that I possibly can with the material that I'm given and that I want to work in a place that's joyful. Yeah. You know, like I work on um, mutton stuff 
with Sid and Marty Croft, which when mm-hmm. I was a child growing up in the <coughs> last century, <laughs> I no I, in the seventies, like uh-huh. I watched Land of the Lost, Electro Woman and Dina Girl, mm-hmm. The Bugaloos, mm-hmm. HR Puffin stuff. Whether it was like HR <laughs> and Sid and Marty Croft um, are still alive and making television for kids and this show mutton stuff which is on nick jr mm-hmm. um is dogs that go to dog school and the dogs are basically replacing children going to preschool and they teach very basic lessons to kids to like kids. sharing and working as a team and learning how to understand your differences or learning how to clean up after yourself like very Basic kid lessons as told through dogs, real live dogs. And I have to be able to go (laughs) show up at work and I get to just snuggle. Like puppies and doggies? Puppies and dogs that are trained to like do stuff. It is so incredibly joyful and it starts with Sid and Marty and Bradley Zweig who is the other executive producer and and it's like it's amazing and so wherever I can go to tell the best story and have the most joyful experience because I'm a spaz as you (laughs) may or may not remember Um, I would say you are joyful I would not say spaz I would say you have a lot of energy I mean, I've worked with directors who are, they're on single camps and they're just, they don't hardly talk to me. You know, I go on set and it's like, all right, you stand over there. You know, sometimes I've had directors who literally don't even introduce themselves to me. And I'm wow. like, hi, hello. Um, God, what was the show? I did? I'm trying to remember what show I did where the director didn't even say one word to me the whole time. And then I was wrapped and I was like, which one oh. was the director? <laughs> like, oh my god! Yeah, that happens a lot because when you play smaller parts, right? Sometimes you, I don't know if they intend to make you feel this way, but sometimes I've been made to feel like, oh, you're just here to serve this one purpose and then get, out, you know, right, to right, serve right, the story and get on out, you know, right. But no, that's happened quite a few times where directors, I, you know, hi, how's it going? All right, stand over there, great, you know, that's it, huh? So. Oh, it was a show I did recently. Oh, I probably shouldn't say then. I'll tell you out later. Okay. I'll tell you my off you off mic secrets <laughs> time. Um, but I think that's so great. I think it's really cool that you are opening yourself up to lots of possibilities and lots of options. And right. You're hitting your reset. Everybody needs a reset. Everybody every needs a pivot. Is the other yeah. word that I've learned. That's recently. what I'm honestly in the middle of doing that too, like pivoting and resetting and rethinking some things because I am tired of the one and two line parts. That I seem to get. I'm right. tired of going on set and not having the director or anybody even know who I am. Right. It's very frustrating as an actor because I've been doing this for 10 years myself. And you start kind of going, hey, what am I doing? Right. What am I doing all this for? Right. Um, so I'm excited to see what is on the horizon for you. And like I'm excited what... to see what's on the horizon, too. I'm yeah, looking. what will it be? Look at the it, horizon. Look. It? Oh, I see a blue light on it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, see, like what's next? It'll be interesting, and I'm very film. Um, any films? In the y- future? I yes, actually, my husband's a writer, and so he wrote a film, um, a couple of films actually. Both, he's I don't know, he's written probably a million films, mm-hmm. and I just can't keep up with his <laughs> prolific writing, but. There's w- a couple of films in particular that we've started to, we've started and then things got pushed back and then we've started and things got pushed so back. So, so some yeah. things in the works. Yes, the works. definitely. And I work on Awesomeness TV on a show called Betch Sketch, which is, again, smart, funny women. I love women. the people at Awesomeness. That's also Awestruck, right? Yes. Yeah. Awestruck. Yeah. Yes. They're the ones that invited me to the Trolls event. Oh. Yeah. See? They're my friends over there. They're amazing. Yeah. And um, they created, you know, with um, Maddie Whippy and Monica mm-hmm. Joy Scherer and Audrey Whippy and these women who are smart, funny, mm-hmm. and what they write is just, I, I've 
yeah, much like the opposite end of mutton stuff where I have this joyful experience, like working with dogs, like to work with these creative women who mm. are just want to just make funny. It's yeah, amazing. Amazing. There's a lot happening right now with women and comedy and strong yes. voices and all that. Yes. Did you see that video that went around about men in comedy and how they're just not funny? No. Oh my God. It's I want to have to look it up. Yeah. It's hilarious. Um okay, so my last question is will you cast me every single time I audition for you? Yes. No, oh, thank and you. And now it's on tape. <laughs> and every time that there's a role that's like I will bring you in. Where we have a role for a chubby redhead. Hmm, where's Heather Brooker? Uh I am I like I said I really am excited to see what you're gonna do next. I've Thanks. been stalking you as you know since we did the show. Yes, and I asked you a year ago to come on my. I podcast. know. So I just want <laughs> I just want to have it on the record. Yeah. <laughs> I went through in the midst of this reset. One of the things that happened was I fell into a really deep depression. Oh wow! And um and it sucks for kids to watch your mom. I mean it wasn't um the severity of it wasn't. Um, I'm minimizing it. Anyway, suffice it to say, I went through a deep depression and it had a huge impact on my kids and I wanted to shield them from that because sure. I didn't want them, you know, kids are inherently very in tune with their parents. Perceptive, yeah. And so, but what, what happened was I realized that I recommitted myself to this career and that um, the reason for the reset was, had nothing to do, the reason, what sent me into it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with somebody else's fear. And I took it so personally. Mm -hmm. And then I, th sometimes when I need to really get out of something, I think to myself, how do I want my kids to react to this? I want them to get up, brush off their knees, and like become more resolved in whatever it is that they want to pursue or if it's the thing that's going to knock them off their this particular path to find the next thing but to honor the fact that you have pain in your life that mm -hmm. there is pain there will be disappointment you're not going to get everything that you want or you're going to get the thing that you want you just don't know what it looks like yet yeah that's true and that's that's where this pivot reset whatever it is that you want reawakening mm -hmm. whatever has recommitted me and I took the lessons from that and I applied them and realized that there's just something else that's supposed to be out there isn't it interesting how our kids do that for us they probably don't even realize right that they do that for us like Channing will never have any idea how much her very existence has inspired me so much. Yes. And, um, I mean, I, you know, maybe one day she will, if she goes back through and she listens to all of these podcasts <laughs> somewhere <laughs> with me basically talking about her, her life, uh, and my life. But, um, yeah, I don't know that our kids will ever fully realize. And that sounds a little cheesy to say, but whatever. Fuck it. It's my show. I can yeah. Say fuck I it. <laughs> my, my, I had a doctor who said to me, um, after when Molly was like six months old, she said to me, so are you exercising regularly? And I said, well, <laughs> no. Next and she question. said, I, you know, exactly. But I do wear my seatbelt in the car. But she said, you know, Shannon, your daughter will do what you do and she will follow your example. And if you don't take care of yourself, she is not going to be compelled to take care of herself because she's going to watch you. Mm -hmm. So, it really, like, there was something about the way she said it or what she said that shifted everything. And it wasn't just about, like, keeping a healthy body, which right, I do right. occasionally. <laughs> uh, but it was also about things like um, talking about myself, the way I talk about myself right. when I look at myself in a picture. Like, I was compelled to change the way I talk about myself and my body. I didn't want to ever look at myself and say, God, I am such a fucking fat cow. Yeah. Because that's I, my first instinct. Me too. I do that privately. But, but yeah. I never say <laughs> fat is a four letter word in our house. Right, right. Well, you just don't want them to. I mean, they absolutely are impressionable and you just don't want them to grow up. I mean, the goal is not. 
you want them to grow up to be happy and well-rounded people and not have all these right. insecurities, you know, the, let, let them develop it on their own. Know, exactly. <laughs> you know? They're going to have their like own the insecurities. My mom never, my mom is a chubby mom and she never grew up going, I'm fat, I'm gross, I look gross. I developed that up on my own. Right. But I also, to be fair, even though I joke about it, I still think I look pretty fucking hot. You're fucking amazing. Right? Like I'm okay what... with... <laughs> I'm I don't okay know what you're talking about curvy. when you say <laughs> curvy. You know what I mean? That's life. Yeah, yeah, that's part of life. I'm like, I had a baby and I eat too much. That's why I'm, that's why I'm curvy. So even though I'm very self-deprecating, I'm also pretty confident in myself and right. I know what I, I know what I'm bringing to the table. Right. And that wasn't pointed at you. I'm saying like, no, I, I used yeah. to, um, I really was the, the words that flew out of my mouth. Like if I sat my daughter in front of me and said those words to her, mm-hmm. I, You'd I mean, horrified. Oh, yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. But no, when I, so I really had to find the way to talk about health and a healthy body image in a way that they could, that gave them access to the language to talk about their body and a healthy body language. Because I, we have so many influences from right. just outside of me, yeah. but my husband too. So it was definitely something that we had to, that Make a as a couple, we had to work, to work on. on. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, like I said, I want to see like what things happen. Will you keep yes. in touch with me, please? Um, will you keep in touch with me? Yes. And keep me updated on everything. Because you have the most amazing people on this show. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I do. I'm it's kinda, amazing. I'm You're kind a, of a big deal. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> you are a big deal. I've had I've been I've had some really wonderful people who have been willing to come and let me ask them inappropriate questions and and talk to you. No, I don't feel like you asked me one single inappropriate question. I'm oh, a well, little in that case. butthurt. <laughs> well, in that case. <laughs> no, I just, you know, I I really enjoy talking to people and hearing their stories, especially other moms who yeah. are like trying to make it work and um, I don't want the show to be just all about actors because that's super easy for actors to do. We get very tunnel vision, you know, right. It's all about acting. Um, and like I said, before we started, we forget that there's all of the whole other side of the industry behind yes. the scenes who are also parents and also trying to figure yes. it all out. Um, so yeah, so that's why I, that's why I reach out to people and say, come and tell me your story. Tell me your story. Um, okay, so you guys, I'm going to put information up about Shannon on motherhoodinhollywood.com where you can go to her website and you, they can stalk your reel. Please. <laughs> right? Comment. Um, and uh, what is your what is your website and where on social media can people find you? Shannonflynn.net is my website and I am Voodoo Skidoo. <laughs> On Twitter, uh, and also Voodoo Skidoo on Instagram. Although I don't use the gram all that much, yeah, I should use the you gram. Should it's more. a good time. I'm having a lot of fun over there. Yeah, I know. I, I like... hear your web. I hear your podcast. Yeah, I'm subscribe. I'm on to it. I appreciate that. Everyone, subscribe. Did you hear that? Subscribe. Subscribe to the show so that we can make sure that Heather has high ratings stays on, on the air. It's yeah. important. People don't realize it's important. Subscribe. Like it's one thing if you just listen, but it's more important. If also you subscribe, subscribe, then it shows yeah. that there's a confidence that you show in Heather and the people that she That's brings right. on to give you the Be information like, like that this? makes you laugh. We want it every day and every week, every week, every, every week. week. Exactly. So inappropriate question before we wrap. Um, where's the weirdest place you've had sex? I had sex. Well, I've had sex in a car. I've had sex in a bathroom. No, I mean in the body. Oh, on the body. <laughs> See, I made it inappropriate, but then I took it to another, another level. level. Don't answer that question. I won't answer that question. <laughs> I won't. On the Everyone futon. that's listening is like, what, what is hell? happening? This was derailed big time. I know. I will <laughs> tell you, though, when, when I got pregnant with my third child, I had just, my son was four months old. Ooh. And it was the first time that Kelly and I oh, had sex. Surprise. And, and I thought that I was that you past were safe. Yeah. the period of my period Not of being safe. fertile. <laughs> and I looked at my husband and I said, want a hump? Uh-huh. And he said, yeah, all right. Oh, 
And that's how sexy. number three was made. Sexy. You guys have also been together a long time because I think I've had similar conversations. Yeah, we've they, we just celebrated our twenty third wedding anniversary oh, on Sunday. Child bride. Congrats. Child bride. I totally agree with that. I see it. Yeah. It's Me true. too. <laughs> Child brides. Anyway. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. And um, you guys, if you want more information about Shannon, make sure you check out motherhoodandhollywood.com. I'll put links up to all of her places. <laughs> all the places. All the places I have not had sex. <laughs> all the places she's not had sex. Everywhere you can find her will be up on motherhoodandhollywood.com. Also, make sure you follow me on Twitter at MIH Podcast and Motherhood in Hollywood on Facebook and the Instagram. Um, thank you for coming on the thank show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. And remember, you guys, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Balls.